So for uh, many of us, the story is probably very familiar. Uh, Zechariah is uh, he's a priest, and they have a rotation. And so his division is uh, on in Jerusalem, and he is chosen to offer incense uh, at the altar of incense. And this is dangerous, uh, at least historically it's dangerous. Um, the presence of God is not something that you play around in. Um, dangerous doesn't mean bad or evil, it just means there are certain procedures. There are certain things you do and don't do. So Zechariah, um, he's in this space, the space that is supposed to contain the presence of God. But the line that's really grabbed me in this whole story, as we're looking at the visitor Gabriel, is that Gabriel says, I stand in the presence of God. Nope. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. It implies that the presence of God is not currently there. Because this is the second temple. This was the one built um, under uh, Ezra, and, Ezra and Nehemiah and improved greatly by Herod the Great, who was not a great person. And unlike the first temple, the Temple of Solomon, or the Tabernacle um, of Moses, God's presence was never described as descending into this particular space. And in fact, it's one of those weird silences straight through the Old Testament on into the intertestamental and rabbinic literature. Like, nobody says that the presence of God returned. Um, because he hasn't, or he hadn't. So when Zechariah enters... Um, Something goes terribly wrong, like there's somebody there, and it's Gabriel, and he's an angel. And uh, the thing, one of the things that you have to know about angels is, is that in the, from the Bible, we learn that they're very rare. Like, they don't pop up all that often. And when they do, it's generally a terrifying experience. Biblically accurate angels are not like in the picture right here, which is, is a great image, um, no shade to, to the, the artist, but um, there's a reason why when Gabriel appears to both Zechariah and Mary, the first words out of his mouth are, don't be afraid. Um, if you go around and you feel like you have to tell everyone, hey, don't freak out, that says something. And what few descriptions we have of angels, yeah, there are wings and multiple sets of wings maybe. Um, like in Isaiah's vision, uh, he describes them as multiple wings, with multiple wings. And um, the only other thing we can know about them is their name. They're called the seraphim. And in Hebrew, the verb saraf means to burn. They're like flaming? I, I don't really know, but they're, they're scary. And uh, angels, they, well, they don't pop up a lot, um, but they pop up at very um, dramatic moments or very important moments. Uh, take cherubim, for example. Cherubim, cher, um, excuse me, cherubim, uh, they, uh, they're not fat little babies with wings. I'm sorry. The Renaissance has lied to you. Uh, they pop up in a couple of places in the first five books of the Bible. 
The first is the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden is the, the first proto-temple. It's the first place where God's presence could go. He's described as God walking about in the cool of the day. Um, using actually some of the same language that would be used to describe God's presence in the temple, by the way. And when his, um, his, his chosen priests slash vice regents, the people who are supposed to represent him, human beings, stop representing him because they, they take wisdom for themselves. That's the, tree, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, they have to be removed from this space. And so when they are, who gets placed at the entrance to make sure they don't return? Cherubim. When the tabernacle of Moses, which is the next space that will contain the very presence of God in a very dramatic ways, Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark is exaggerated, but not that much. Um, cherubim are stitched. They're woven into the fabrics of the areas that form the inner boundaries of the tabernacle. It's not a coincidence. Um, back then, they, they just knew that this was like Eden. And then sitting on top of the Ark of the Covenant would be two winged cherubim facing each other. Like cherubim, these kinds of angels, and I'm not sure that Gabriel would be classified as one. Nobody, we don't really even know if that's how that works. But they're, guard, they're guardians of sacred space. Um, that means they see some things that mere mortals will, will not, cannot. So he appears to uh, Zechariah and he says, first off, don't freak out. And then he tells him that, that, that probably the greatest tragedy of his life, if we're thinking about life in terms of a first century Jewish man, which would be being unable to have children, the greatest tragedy of his life is about to be redeemed. Um, and not only that, but his son is going to be special. We always think our kids are special, but in this case, he actually is. <laughs> and uh, then Zechariah reveals the fact that he's kind of an idiot. Um, because the story of an old barren couple uh, being given a child or children by God's power is kind of old. It's, it, there's a precedent for that. There's Abraham and Sarai, Hannah and Elkanah, and Samson's parents. I can't remember if we were ever told uh, their names. So th there's precedent here. Zechariah is an old priest. He should know this. But then he has the audacity and I guess chutzpah, good for him. He looks up at, at this terrifying angel and says, yeah, but how, huh? And then Gabriel give, goes, uh, gives him that line that's just been rattling in my head. I stand in the presence of God. Who do you think you are? And if I were translating that, I'd add in parentheses, you big idiot. Um, at which point, Zechariah has a little time out for roughly nine months. Um, again, I, I like to assume that maybe that's how they finally got pregnant because he stopped talking. Um, <laughs> I can't prove that, <laughs> but you know. Um, 
I stand in the presence of God. Gabriel, uh, as best we can tell, is not bound by time and space. And basically, by definition, neither is God. There, so I don't, I don't even know what it would look like to say that Gabriel sees God. Because I don't understand what it would mean to see anything outside of time and space. Um, and, I, and I think it's safe to say that he, you could say the same thing about the other senses. Um, I don't know what it would mean to hear something outside of time and space, to smell something, um, to speak with something outside of time and space, but it's probably safe to assume that Gabriel has done that. And now he's been given a task. He's done this before. He visited the prophet Daniel. Um, but see, God is, God is looking to reinvade his space, his creation, to make it his space again. And so Gabriel is the one who gets to bear that news. So first he comes to Zechariah. Zechariah, swing and a miss, but God's purposes are not thwarted. Um, he should have known better, and he doesn't. And then he goes to Mary, a young girl, um, and says, she will bear a son. And there's no precedent for that. Any questions that she have, I think, are perfectly justified. Um, nobody even at this time really expected Messiah to be born from, from a virgin. It, it, the, the interpretation of Isaiah is, comes after the fact. And yet she responds very courageously, just whatever the Lord wills. Uh, so you have a young girl who had no reason to be as wise and courageous as she is. And then you have an old priest who really should have known better. It's the story is kind of flipping what we would expect upside down. So, revisit that moment. I stand in the presence of God. This has been the point of Israel since its inception. I guess you could say conception, but that would be a pun. Um, is that Israel would be the cultivators and caretakers and really the hosts of sacred space. The entire thread of the Bible is trying to answer the question, how is God's presence going to return to his creation? And Israel is a major step in the answer to that. And whether it was the tabernacle of Moses, the temple built by Solomon, um, or in quotes, this second temple, which never really worked out, you now have this priest having a really weird conversation on what, it, what I think it's safe to assume one of the scariest days of his life with this being standing where God's presence should be saying, look, I stand in the presence of God. God is about to do something big. And in my own mind, my own imagination, I suppose. I can't help but wonder what's going through Gabriel's mind 
and what that even looks like for a being that I guess transcends time and space, but in my own limited human imagination, um, and I'll end with this, I can just imagine Gabriel thinking as he's talking to Zechariah and then he's talking about Mary, like, if you think it is special here that you see me, wait until Mary gives birth. Because none of us are going to be the same. Amen. So we sing. <laughs>